The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and we're coming to you on Monday, June 26th, one day before your New York Giants veteran players report for the official start of 2021 training camp. So yes, Giants fans, you have made it through the summer, you have made it through the the long wait for football, and your New York Giants are back. And here to help me discuss uh, storylines and what to expect from your Giants throughout training camp and the 2021 season is good friend Patricia Trena of Giants Country. Patty, how you doing? And uh, are you ready for some football? Oh, gosh, Ed, I am so ready, so ready. It has been, you know, look, I, I always look forward to the little break before the start of training camp. But, you know, after a week or so, I'm ready to get back into the grind of things. And I, I'm looking forward to getting back. We're going to have um, semi-normal media access, it sounds like. So it'll be good to see everybody again. It'll be good to see a training camp. You know, last year was kind of weird, but let's get this started already. There you go. So let's actually get this started in terms of talking about your New York Giants. And uh, what I thought we would do is we're just going to go through some some of the storylines for the Giants entering training camp, entering the 2021 season. And, and obviously, you know, a big one right now has to be the health of Saquon Barkley. When is he going to return? How healthy is he going to be? How much work is he going to be able to do? You know, Saquon has had some some curious things to say recently about the state of his rehab, about his recovery. And, and I'm trying not to worry about it, to be honest with you. But I'm wondering if Saquon is being so cautious simply because he's never been through an injury like this and 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 he's a little bit uncertain you know of what the timeline is or if he's really going through you know if he's if he's really got a if he's just towing the Joe Judge line of don't tell him anything don't promise him anything 
you know, just we'll just see how it goes, you know, so that there are no quote unquote expectations as we enter training camp. Are you I'm so I guess the question for you, Patty, is are you at all worried about any of the things that Saquon has said? Does does any of what he has said kind of raise a red flag for you? No, not really, Ed, because I think to your point, it's a combination of two things. Number one, Saquon Barkley has never gone through this type of injury before or this rehab. And what people forget is that this is reconstructive surgery he had, not reparative. So it's, there's, there's a difference for sure. But I think one of the things that the Giants and Saquon have done, and I kind of like this approach to be honest with you. I mean, how many times have we heard players who have been injured say, I'm not going to miss any football or I'm going to be back next week or I'm going to play in Sunday's game. And they try to gut it out and they just, they don't look like themselves or they make the injury worse and they have to have more surgery at the end of the year. And it just basically eats into their, you know, athletic performance. So I think with Saquon and the Giants, they recognize how unique of a talent he is. I mean, he was the number two overall draft pick in 2018. So that's a guy that, you know, you're going to put him on the field when his body tells him he is ready. You're not going to rush him out there. You're going to take, you're going to try and take some of the pressure off of him to where, you know, you don't want to give a date and say, oh, Saquon will be ready for the start of training camp. Because then what happens if he's not? Then everybody's going to be like, oh my God, he had a setback or oh my God, he's not ready. What do we do now? So I like the approach that the Giants and Saquon have taken. Now, whether or not they know when he's going to be back. And I kind of think they have some kind of idea when he's going to be back, but I think they're playing this smart. And as I wrote for Giants country, Saquon is going to return when he is ready and only, you know, his body will tell him when he is ready. That is true, Patty. I'm not going to worry about, uh, you know, I'll worry about Saquon if they tell us that he's not going to play at all week one, but you know, but until then, um, I think you're right. I think they're just playing it cautiously and trying not to set expectations that wind up not being met. Um, anyway, let's let's move on to another camp storyline, and and that of course is the offensive line. Giants fans have been gnashing their teeth the entire off season over the fact that that the Giants really didn't add anything to the offensive line. Uh, you know they. They lost a guy that, that in many respects was viewed as their best player, at least their most accomplished player in Kevin Zeitler. They're going with a young, you know, mostly unproven offensive line. And we're not going to be able to tell exactly how well this offensive line is going to do throughout training camp, throughout the preseason. There's just not enough live contact you know, to, to figure that out. But, but what are the markers, Patty? What are the things that you are looking for, you know, from the offensive line, from new offensive line coach Rob Sale, uh, throughout the, the few weeks of training camp? Well, I think technique is going to be the first thing. You know, are guys playing with the proper pad level? Are they taking the right, you know, angles on their blocks? Are they communicating? That's a big one, obviously. You know, you've got some guys who, you know, take, for example, Will Hernandez. He's been a career left guard. 
it looks like they're moving him over to the right side. And that's that's kind of like, you know, learning to write with your left hand after for years writing with your, your right hand. So there's a comfort level that's involved there. So how quickly can they cut down on that learning curve? You know, Matt Paird, I thought, you know, he looked good. He flashed last year, but towards the end of the season, there were some issues. I know he had a bad game against the um, the Ravens towards the end of the year. Now, how much of that was due to an ankle injury? I don't know. But, you know, you want to look for growth in him. You want to look for growth in Lemieux and, and Gates and, and Andrew Thomas, all of whom are in their second year in their respective positions, even though Gates has been around for more than two years. So you just want to see more of a comfort level to where these guys aren't maybe thinking as much. And they're playing, you know, almost automatically because, you know, you look at all the times, for example, the Giants couldn't pick up a stunt where they just totally, you know, befuddled as to what was going on. You want to see some of that go away now and, and, and just see them automatically say, oh, OK, I recognize what's going on. This is what we have to do. So those are just a few of the things you want to see with that offensive line. And then above all, you want to see them stay healthy. Um, Andrew Thomas is coming off of ankle surgery. He should be fine. Um, I, I think Matt Pert, like I said, he had the ankle issue. I don't know if he had surgery and who, you know, how is Will Hernandez after his bout with COVID? Is he doing well? So there are little nicks and bruises that popped up and we don't know who had surgery in the off season other than Andrew Thomas, but, um, those are other things you want to keep an eye on. And of course, everyone is going to be keeping an eye on, on Daniel Jones as he enters his third year, Patty. And, you know, we're not going to know through training camp if Daniel Jones is going to take the, the third year leap that everyone is, is hoping that he takes, you know, the, the, that really would help, you know, push the Giants, you know, over the, over the edge, you know, try to maybe get them out of, you know, mediocrity or, or less than mediocrity. You know, they need him to be good in 2021. But through, again, through training camp, what do you look for from Jones just in terms of, of trying to find signs that perhaps, you know, 2021 will be a better year for him? Well, first thing is comfort level. This is year two in the same offensive system. The first time since he's been at Duke that he's been in the same system. So I expect him to play faster. Now, I know you've spoken with Mark Schofield. I've spoken with him as well. And Mark probably told you, as he told me and as I've seen on film, that one of the big issues with Daniel Jones was his mental processing speed. How many times did he come, you know, drop back and he'd be looking, 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 where am I going with the ball and trying to to decide where to go with the ball and only to be, you know, just barely miss a receiver or to take a sack or, or to get hit or some, something getting messed up on the play. So I'm going to be looking for Daniel Jones to really expedite his decision-making process and not be one of these guys who just stands there with the ball waiting all day for something to happen. And that's the other thing. We saw Daniel Jones struggle a little bit with balancing when to give up on a play versus when to hang in there. And that's something that develops. The more reps you take, the more you're going to develop that skill. So that's going to be something I'm going to be looking for from him as well. 
And let's be honest about that, Patty. That is something that many, many quarterbacks struggle with because you want to make plays. You don't want to give up on plays. And, and, you know, think, think about Eli Manning's career. I mean, we saw Eli Manning throw footballs left-handed that he probably shouldn't have thrown. You know, we, we saw Eli make, make those kinds of mistakes throughout his career. So they do happen. They simply, for Jones, need to happen far less often than than they have over his first couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you're going to have some interceptions. Let's let's be real. I mean, sometimes the defense actually does make a good play, you know, makes a good read, and they do come up with a, a legitimate interception. But, you know, along those lines, you mentioned we're talking turnovers. You also got to make sure ball security is, is a big thing that, you know, has always been a bugaboo for Daniel Jones. And just being smart out there and, you know, the fewer mistakes he, he makes – the better the chance of the Giants winning. And that's what they need from him. You know, there were, the mistakes have been cut down since his rookie season, but again, a new system, uh, last year, you expect to see the mistakes reduce even further. And the last thing about the offense, Patty, is I think we have to talk about Jason Garrett. You know, there's a lot of heat on Garrett entering the, the 2021 season. Um, Giants 31st in the league in offense a year ago. They're not going to show us the whole playbook in training camp, but I think that, uh, that there have to be some changes, some things that the Giants do differently uh, on offense. I'm, and I, I guess it's a two part question. What do you think we need to see from the Giants offense that's a little bit different than it was a year ago? Um, and do you think that, that Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator is really capable of, of making, you know, whatever adjustments are necessary? Well, and I think they have to play into the strength more of their players. Now, we saw last year, Daniel Jones was a very, very good deep ball passer, but he didn't throw the ball deep quite a lot. Um, that could have been due to the offensive line being inconsistent. That could have been due to the fact that he didn't have receivers getting open down the field with any kind of regularity. Could have been a number of things. So I think that's something we're going to see more of, especially now that they've added, you know, guys like Kenny Galladay to the, to the offense, uh, Kyle Rudolph. Um, they're getting Evan Ingram back, who hopefully now will be sent up the seam a little bit more. But, you know, the other thing that I'm curious to see regarding the offense is, is how much of an, how much more of an in, influence is Freddie Kitchens going to have? You know, the coaches, Joe Judge in particular likes to say that the offensive game plan and the defensive game plan are a collaboration. I'm sorry. I'm not sure I totally buy that. You know, you can sit there and you can make a suggestion. But if the coordinator says, nah, I don't think we're going to go in that direction, it's not really a true collaboration as as maybe the word is defined. So Freddie Kitchens was promoted, or I don't know promoted is the right word. His role was reassigned to that of senior offensive assistant. So does that mean he's going to have more say in helping Jason develop the offensive game plan? Does that mean he's going to oversee all the, you know, the coaching of the uh, of the the various position groups. I don't know what exactly what that means, but I'd be willing to bet we see a little bit more maybe Freddie's 
touch, if you will, on the offensive game plan um, mixed in with what Jason does. You know, the whole Freddie Kitchens thing is really interesting, Patty. I know that Joe Judge has a history with Kitchens. I know that they've worked together. I know that Joe trusts Kitchens. When he hired, you know, when he hired Kitchens a year ago, I think he said that, that, you know, Kitchens could pretty much fill any role on the offensive coaching staff, that he could pretty much coach any position. Initially hired him to coach tight ends because that's the role that he had open. I'm not sure though, as much as I think Joe has hired a really good coaching staff, I'm not sure I get the love for Freddie Kitchens. I'm not sure that, that the results from his limited time as offensive coordinator and then, and then head coach in, in Cleveland, you know, give me all that much confidence in, in Freddie Kitchens, if uh, yeah, if Freddie's going to have more input into this offense, I don't know. Just just your your thoughts on on that whole dynamic, Patty? Yeah, you know what? I'm not sure what to expect. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, you can make the argument that some some coaches just don't make good head coaches, but they're good coordinators. You know, is that the case with Freddie Kitchens? I don't know if we saw a big enough sample size to really make that judgment. To be honest with you. Um, regarding, you know, this love that Joe seems to have for Freddie Kitchens, well, remember, he's a guy that he knows and who he's worked with. You know, Jason Garrett, you know, is, he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not dissing Jason Garrett in any, you know, in any way, shape or form, but Jason, you know, think back to when Joe was putting his staff together. Jason was kind of recommended, if I'm not mistaken, to Joe as offensive coordinator because, you know, the organization thought so highly of Jason from his time as a backup quarterback here and, you know, from his work done around the league. So, you know, and, and ultimately it was Joe's final call. Don't get me wrong there, but you wonder just how much, you know, because Joe was trying to put together the staff as quickly as possible. Was he getting the guys that maybe he was looking to get in, in that role or did he have to settle? So that's a question we'll never get the answer to unless Joe decides to, you know, get drunk one night and spill all the tea, which I don't see happening. But um, it is an interesting dynamic, and I am curious to see how that all plays out. All right, Patty, let's take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors from SB Nation. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, about a few other topics on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball and a few other things entering training camp as well. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. 
Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, talking with Patricia Trena of Giants Country and the Locked On Giants podcast as we preview your 2021 Giants training camp, which begins officially on Tuesday. Patty, we've been talking about offense. Let's talk a little bit about defense and really the one, the one topic that I find really interesting entering training camp on defense is how the edge rusher situation is going to, to pan out. I think the Giants have so many options. Uh, on the edge um do you find you know that to be you know one of the most fascinating position groups entering camp i do you know there's an old saying you know quant quality is better than quantity the giants have quantity but do they have quality i think they do you know i like aziz ojulari i think he's gonna you know develop into a fine every down you know edge rusher for them um, if Lorenzo Carter is fully healthy and, you know, it was a good sign that we saw him during the, uh, the spring, he was on his way to becoming, you know, quite a force before that injury that he suffered. Now, what about the rest of the gang there? Um, what are they going to get from Ellerson Smith, who was their, I believe their fourth rounder? You know, is Ryan Anderson going to play a role there? Um, what about O'Shane Zimenez, who seems to be the forgotten guy? What kind of role is he going to play? And then you have some linebackers, you know, Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin did some, some edge work last year, but you know, I think Carter Coughlin's going back towards the, uh, to being an inside linebacker more than an edge rusher is Cam Brown a situational guy. So you have a bunch of guys there that, you know, the question is, is do they have a guy who's going to be productive or two, you know, they, they really need a strong three man rotation. I think at that position, I don't know that they have it yet. We have to see if they do, but you know, based on what they have on paper, you can make the argument that they do, but you know what they have on paper versus what they have on the field, the two very different things. So definitely something to keep an eye on. And, you know, Patty, the other thing on defense that I'm really interested in is how the uh, how the secondary shakes out, just in terms of how Patrick Graham uses all of the pieces that that they have. You have a competition in the slot between Darnay Holmes and rookie third round pick Aaron Robinson. Plus, you have, you know, several other defensive backs capable of playing in the slot. You've got lots of competition for uh for backup spots in the defensive secondary. You've got Xavier McKinney heading into his second year, hopefully his first full season, a first healthy season. Um, 
is there any any position battle, anything in the secondary that that really intrigues you uh, entering camp? Just how many different combinations can Patrick Graham come up with? I mean, this is kind of like a Rubik's Cube in a way, except instead instead of trying to solve and get all the, you know, the colored squares to match on each side of the cube, there's so many different combinations that he can put together. You know, is he going to put, uh, for example, Xavier McKinney in the slot on third downs? Where's Aaron Robinson going to fit in? Is he going to be the star linebacker? Is he going to, you know, just take over the slot. So there's a lot of questions, but there's also a lot of different combinations that I think Patrick Graham, he's, you know, if I'm Patrick Graham, I'm probably sitting there and I can't wait to, to, you know, run through some of these combinations and see what works, what doesn't work, and then figure out when I'm going to deploy them in certain game situations. And there, there's a lot of it. I mean, there's probably ones that we probably haven't even thought of that Patrick Graham on his long list of, uh, you know, personnel packages probably has come up with a few new and creative ways to deploy those guys. Oh, uh, if we know Graham Patty, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll come up with a few more of those, in, you know, Tuesday morning. Sure. He probably will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, you know, one of the interesting things about the Giants last season, Patty, was that they struggled in some areas on special teams. Now, Graham Gano had a tremendous year as a place kicker, but the Giants didn't get a whole lot from their return game. Kadarius Tony should help that, especially in the punt return area. Um, but they struggled in coverage. And, you know, and I find that, you know, it's kind of, kind of hard to believe in a sense when you look at the fact that Joe Judge has such a long special teams background cares so much about it um, can you can you put your finger on on maybe what the reason for that was and and what you think the Giants can do about it going forward I think you have to start with the fact that they lost their top two gunners from a year ago you know Cody Cody Core. Um, was injured. He suffered, the, I think, an Achilles in training camp, so he was gone for the season. Antonio Hamilton signed with the Chiefs. So now, you know, and, and this is a question, by the way, I asked of Thomas McGahee, and he kind of agreed with me when I, I said, how much did the inconsistent and revolving door gunner play have to do with things? And he says, you know, it was very important because they were unable to establish continuity. Um, I think they also had a lot of young guys Maybe some guys, and I'd have to go back and check their college snaps on pro football focus, but how many of those guys in college were recent contributors to special teams? Were they maybe now, you know, being asked to play special teams in order to justify their place on the roster? So I think you just had a combination of different things where, where the units weren't, you know, gelling together. I don't think necessarily it was Okay, Joe Judge came in and because of his special teams background, now he's changing everything that Thomas McGahee has done. I don't think it was a case of that. I think, you know, there was a collaboration there, obviously, and there were some good things actually that, that I think we saw that Joe Judge brought or might have, you know, or I should say were believed to have been suggested by Joe Judge. But, um, but yeah, I think it comes down to like anything else, getting those guys experience. And just kind of, you know, finding some kind of consistency in the key areas on special teams. 
All right, Patty, two more questions for you before we wrap it up. And, and I'm going to kind of ask you to, uh, to put on your crystal ball here or to put on your Patricia trainer for GM, you know, campaign button here and, uh, and make a couple of predictions on the, on the 53 man roster. And, and, and before I do that, you know, we haven't had the advantage of, of watching a ton of OTAs and watching a lot of spring football like we do. Um, a lot of years. So it, it, it's tougher to figure out, you know, who's got an advantage entering camp in terms of some of these, these roster battles, but I'm going to put you on the spot anyway. Oh, Give thanks. Anytime, Patty, anytime <laughs> you can, you know, you, you can yell at me when I see you later this week, <laughs> but, but all right. 53 man roster. Give me one surprise cut, one player out, you know, who's not going to make the roster that Giants fans are going to go, whoa, I did not see that coming. Oh, wow. I don't know if this is a move that Giant fans don't see coming, but I'm going to say John Ross doesn't make the roster. And I'm going to say that because, you know, never mind the fact that he didn't do much in the spring because of apparently some kind of injury. He doesn't play special teams. And when you look at the receivers when you look at the depth chart you figure Darius Slayton and, and I'm just this is no particular order Darius Slayton Kenny Galladay Sterling Shepard Kadarius Tony so those are your first four so you're going to need five and six if you keep six to play special teams and John Ross I don't think has played special teams at the NFL level I know he played them in college I don't believe he has played special teams at the NFL level so I'm not so sure he makes the roster um, on defense, let me think here for a second. I, I keep going to O'Shane Zimenez and if he's going to have a role on this team, you don't want to give up on young talent. And you also have to keep in mind that this is a kid who coming from old dominion had a little bit more of a, a of a learning curve, I think to the NFL. That being said, if there is a priority which there seems to be on the Giants getting to the playoffs, are they going to have the patience to continue to let him develop or does he maybe get sent to the practice squad where I believe the rules for the practice squad are going to be the same as they were last year. So that's what I'm thinking in terms of moves that maybe Giant fans might not see coming. Um, but, you know, again, Let's see how they all do in camp. But uh, I could see, you know, Ross not making the, the final 53. And I could see maybe Zimenez getting bumped from the 53 down to the practice squad. You know, Patty, in terms of Zimenez, I have kind of made the same prediction. And, and let me ask you this. You know, having had a chance to talk to Patrick Graham a number of times last year and talk to the Giants linebackers coaches, you know, Brett Bielema before he left, you know, to take a college head coaching job and Kevin Scherer. Did you at times, you know, before, before O'Shane got hurt, did you at times get the feeling that, that maybe this new coaching staff, you know, remember that, that O'Shane was drafted you know, when Pat Shermer was head coach and James Betcher was defensive coordinator. And as much as fans don't like it, those things do matter sometimes. Um, did you just get the feeling that, 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 that the new coaching staff 
still hadn't developed full trust in him yet? I would say I would agree with that statement. Um, Zimenez, from his rookie season, needed to improve against the run. So I know he worked on that in the off season. I know that because I did an interview with him, I think before the start of last, last year. Um, then you had the injury that, you know, wiped out the rest of his season. And, and the fact that even before that, he was, he was not seeing a lot of snaps. So I thought that was telling as I did the fact that they brought in, you know, um, they brought in Ryan Anderson, and I forgot to mention o- Odenabo. How can I forget to mention him? My goodness, shame on me. Um, <laughs> Odenabo, they brought in Ojulari. They brought in a lot of guys, and usually when you bring in a lot of guys like that, and, and I'll point back to last year with the cornerback situation, do you remember what the Giants were doing every week or, or what it seemed like almost every day? They were constantly churning the bottom of the depth chart at cornerback which to me, and, and I remember we discussed this, Ed, they weren't happy with what they had there. So ask yourself if the same situation maybe applies here with Edge Rusher, that why they brought in so many guys. Are they happy with what they had, or do they just say to themselves, okay, we think we're, we can live with, with uh, Lorenzo Carter. We're not so sure if we can live, you know, and and be good enough with with uh, Zimenez and where he is in his development. You know, that's why they draft the two guys, they sign two guys in in free agency. So that's kind of how I view it. Uh, yeah, I agree with you there, Patty. And, and the flip side of this whole question, I asked you surprise cut. So give me one or two. Um, guys who, who you think might sort of, uh, come out of left field and, and actually make the 53 man roster, which is a hard question because we haven't seen enough, enough spring football to, to really get a handle on what the Giants might think of, of some of these, uh, some of these guys that we don't know a whole lot about. Mm, that is a tough one. Um, let me think about this for a second. Um, I am going to look at the defensive side of the ball here, and I'm going to think that Reggie Raglan might edge out a TJ Brunson for a, ro- a roster spot at inside linebacker. I think Tay Crowder and Reggie Raglan are going to switch on and off alongside of Blake Martinez um, when they go to two inside linebackers. Now, I know Reggie Raglan is a guy people said, well, you know, they drafted all these linebackers last year. Why do they, you know, why do they need all these guys? Well, I, I think Reggie Raglan will make it. I also, this is a guy who I initially didn't think was going to make it, but having thought about it, I think he's got a better chance that maybe I, I gave him credit for. And that's Ryan Anderson. I thought, you know, okay, after they drafted, um, you know, Ellerson Smith and Aziz Ojulari, that was it. You know, what do they need Ryan Anderson for? I think he makes it too. And especially, you know, keeping in line with what I said about uh, O'Shane Zimenez possibly getting bumped down to the practice squad. So those are two guys that come to mind. And on offense, who's the surprise guy? Um, CJ Board would probably be a surprise guy because C.J. Ward was probably one of their most consistent and best gunners last year. So I can see him making the roster at receiver. 
And the other guy, I'm, I'm trying to decide whether or not he's going to make it or not, is Caden Smith. You know, are the Giants going to keep four tight ends and five receivers, or are they going to go six and three? I'd like to see them find a role for Caden Smith. I think they will find a role for him. But will it be practice squad or will it be 53-man roster? That I'm not sure on. Yeah, Patty, I still haven't figured out. It's interesting that you mentioned Caden Smith. I still haven't figured out what the Giants' fascination is with Levine Tuilolo. I just, I, I didn't see it last year. I didn't see a big reason for them to, to bring him back this year, especially having signed Kyle Rudolph. And, and with Caden Smith, I thought Caden Smith was underutilized by the Giants a year ago. So, so it, it I mean, it's, it's not a major thing, but if you can explain to me what the Giants see in Levine Tuilolo, please, you know, go ahead and do that. I mean, he got better towards the end of last year, Ed, but you know what? I'm going to share with you a little secret because I like you. One of the things I, I do when it comes to rosters, and especially as we go through training camp, is I look at contracts and I say to myself, okay, where does it make sense and what do the contracts tell us? Because a lot of times the contracts will give us a little clue as to what the, the coaching staff or what the, the the team, I should say, expectation might be. And a lot of times I've actually used that as a tool to predict my 53-man roster as we get closer to the, you know, to the final cuts. And I'm not always right. I don't think anybody hits it 100%, but... I do pretty well with those predictions using the contracts as a guide. All right, Giants fans, I think uh, we'll call it a show at this point. Patty, I'm looking forward to seeing you out at uh, out at training camp this week. A little bit of a uh, little bit of normalcy back to our uh, our NFL football uh, football routines, and, and that'll be a really good thing. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to getting out of the house for a little bit. I mean, <laughs> even if though the weather's going to be probably brutal outside, hot and humid, as it always is every year with training camp. But look, it'll be good to get out there. It'll be good to move around. And um, it, above all, it'll be good to start seeing, you know, what this team is, cap- is, is capable of doing and bringing. Absolutely. And Patty, thank you as always for spending some time here on the show with me. Giants fans, please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Thank you as always for listening. Please take care of each other out there and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.